It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box. Built Bar, hands down, is the best protein bar out on the market right now. Best nutrition, best taste, best taste. Best taste, best taste, best taste. That's all you really need to know. Go try it out. BuiltBar.com. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. You get $10 off. We are continuing our crossover series here. NFC East, NFC West. We are talking all things with those two divisions. If you didn't get a chance to hear our earlier conversations this week, head back, check them out. So far, we've talked to the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and today it is the Washington Redskins. We've got Chris from Locked On Redskins with us. We're going to be talking to him here in the show. Don't forget to hit us up on social media, Locked On Rams, all accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LA underscore Rambling Bears, the personal, which I realized I got to change my Twitter background. I've got, uh, first of all, I'm in a Todd Gurley jersey. I'm now in old and outdated jersey, which we're going to talk about here in a second as the Rams dropped in such elegant fashion, no errors at all in their PR marketing. So we're going to cover all that here on today's show. But we got a good one. We're going to talk jersey release in the first segment. We're going to get to the Washington Redskins uh, in second and third segment to close it out. And then tomorrow, we got to figure out who we're having on. I might go back to Jake Ellenbogen. and we haven't spoke to him in a couple weeks. I'm sure he's got a, f- a few good things to say uh, about this release that we just saw. But a uh, fun show today. We'll fill in another great one for you guys tomorrow. So come back, check it out. We'll have a great guest on. We'll talk some Rams football, maybe a fully Rams football focused show. And then next week, we're going to kind of dive into a project that we're doing here on the Lockdown Podcast Network of the What If series. So I'm going to go into the Rams vault and take a look at what if this was done differently. And we'll have some guests on uh, to kind of talk about the history of the Rams and maybe some of the big changing moments here. What would have been different if the outcome uh, was changed up a little bit? So that'll be a fun series that we're going to kind of take on next week. But with all that good stuff out of the way, it's the Thursday edition, so let's just jump right into it. After years of anticipation, the Rams finally released their brand new jerseys. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. Finally, finally we see the Rams' new jerseys. There were seven teams this offseason that dropped new jerseys, and the Rams were the last ones to reveal. I think the first ones came out over a month and a half ago, uh, and it had been a slow process for the Rams. Not much information given out on when or how until Jared Goff was on a Twitch last night, late last night, talking with Alex Bergman of the Astros and kind of said, hey, they're coming tomorrow. Next thing you know, we wake up this morning, and it all started with a little tweet from the Los Angeles Rams. And shout out to Far Too Reckless, who actually tweeted at the Rams and said, Word is we get to see our new at Rams NFL uniforms today, question mark. Guess we'll have to wait and find out, LOL. And they quote tweeted and said, okay, fine. And a few seconds after that, they dropped their 
release video kind of showing the uniforms through time and then speeding up really fast and boom 2020 uniforms there they were in all their glory the royal blue that sole yellow on the pants and the bone white or bone gray whatever you want to describe them as it's that off color white that the rams actually had to get special permission from the nfl i actually reached out and said does anyone know why we needed special uh, permission from the NFL. I got a few people that replied to me and kind of informed me that every NFL team is supposed to have a all-white away uniform or a white jersey, and this bone white didn't really classify under that, and they had to get special permission. No one's ever done it before in the NFL. The Rams are the first to do it, so I guess that's pretty exciting, and they're actually growing on me. At first, I was not a big fan of the bone white jersey, and really it was kind of tough to tell because one of the next posts from the Rams were the the slate of jerseys, the all blue, the blue with the yellow bottoms, the all white bone white uniform. Uh, and they were kind of in like cartoon figure and you couldn't really get a true grasp on them. But throughout the day, they've shown players opening the boxes, reacting. We've had some really good feedback from the Rams players themselves. In fact, here's a little clip from the Rams as their players were opening the uniforms. Oh my god. Oh, oh, yeah. fresh. Those are my favorite. I'm gonna do I get to hit people with it? That's nice. Can't wait to wear it and score a lot of touchdowns still five stadium this year. Let's go Rams. Oh my god. Why? The blue looks clean. Hey, that's weird as hell. I love them. I love them. 20 boy. That's what they look good. Eyes on that. Turned out real good. Like, real good. My feel swag already impeccable. Y'all just turned me up a notch. And I got to admit, throughout the day, as I saw them more and more, and I saw the players put them on, I was pretty excited to see what the jersey actually looked like on the player. Not a big fan of the logo, and they kept the logo pretty much off the uniform. They did have some stitching on the front that did say Rams or Los Angeles Rams, depending on the uniform. The helmets are clean, whether you like the two slated ram horn on the helmet or not i think they look extremely clean the numbers are gradient from top to bottom some are fans some are not i think it looks awesome i think we'll grow to like that the gradient is also on the side of the blue pant as it goes from white down to yellow so they had some themes throughout these uniforms they really tried to keep it simple i think their biggest problem during this release was just the pr and the marketing behind it if they just had a little bit more of an open dialogue with the fans the process in which they were going to be released i understand they probably want to get out to sofi stadium everything that hit with the coronavirus kind of changed up how they were going to release the schedule and release the new uniforms and release the logo but if they just communicated a little bit better they saw the bad reaction to the logo everyone was dying to say hey look if you just give us the uniforms and they're okay we might be able to move on quickly from this but they allowed this big gap from the logo to the uniforms where people were just coming up with their own mocks and doing all this so uh it was just wasn't played out very well and then to the point of their star qb1 uh leaking it the day before on a twitch account hitting the social medias and uh finally had some jerseys going up and kind of being leaked so it was kind of a mess from start to to finish but at the end of the day i think you just got to be glad one it's over and maybe it's not because the rams also let you know that in 2021 and 2022 that the rams have an opportunity to add two more jerseys to their uh, already slate of these three that they released today but it was nice just to know that the main part of it was over we can get back to football 
You're going to have people that love it. You're going to have people that hate it. But at the end of the day, the Rams are out there in some pretty solid colors. And if they're scoring touchdowns and playing well on defense, it's all about the wins at the end of the day. So the jerseys are out. You love them. You hate them. Go buy them. Don't buy them. Wear throwbacks if that makes you feel good. All we truly care about is will we get football on time in 2020? So I'm sure that's not going to be my last time talking about these unis as we get some Rams-focused guests here on the show. We'll be picking their brain, letting them talk about how they felt about the process, about the unis, what's good, what's bad. Uh, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, so feel free to reach out to me, LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter. Lockdown Rams is the show account. Also, you can leave us a quick message on our Google number, 657-345-4988. Let us know your thoughts on the jerseys, the players, the draft, anything. We'll be talking with you, playing your clip here on the show, and letting everyone hear your thoughts. So reach out, let me know what you think. So with that out of the way, been waiting to have that little mini segment here uh, for way too long, but we finally got to get that under our belt. And moving forward, we're going to jump over to our crossover series with the Washington Redskins. I'm really excited to be talking with Chris from Locked On Redskins. He's going to be opening us up. We're going to be talking a little bit Rams. He's got a good insight of covering Sean McVay. Kevin O'Connell, even Joe Barry. So we're going to flip the script in segment three, talk to him a little bit about the Redskins as well as his take on what the Rams are doing right now and what the direction is for them, not only this year, but in the future as well. But first, before we get over to the next segment, got to talk to you guys about Built Bar, the number one best tasting protein bar that's out there. And yes, that's my opinion, but all you got to do is go try it and I guarantee you are going to put the stamp of approval on it as well. My favorite flavor is the mint chocolate cream, but I'm out, I'm running out. I got to go back and order some more. They went by fast like that. Each box has 18 bars in it. Seven flavors right now, seven with nuts, seven without nuts, as well as they've got some new, as well as they've got the new bonus flavors that just came out. Chocolate cookie dough, as well as mango and peach cobbler. Every time I say that peach cobbler, it sounds so good. Those new flavors are add-ons. The add-on's $9. You get $10 promo code, so you can either get the free add-on or go get it taken off your box. Boxes are $37, brings it down to $27 with the discount. Again, head to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. Don't just take my word for it. These are the best. Go try them yourself. Built Bar, $10 off when you use the promo code LOCKDOWN over at BuiltBar.com. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, everybody, we welcome you to another crossover edition. I'm Chris Ruskins, and let's hook up with 
our pal Brad Motter from Locked On Rams, who covers the Rams like a glove for the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, you can get Locked On Rams and Locked On Redskins wherever you download podcasts, which we hope is one of ours. Brad, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great out here in, in Southern California. Everything may be shut down a little bit, but uh, I got a nice little view out my window, and we're here talking football about the matchup that we're going to have and where we've been. So I'm excited about everything we got going. Well, hopefully this matchup is indeed played. It's scheduled for week five at FedEx Field. And uh, I covered Sean McVay for four years and Joe Barry for a couple of years. And uh, some of the others, uh, Kevin O'Connell just recently. Um, you know, so uh, there's a lot of Redskins flavor, of course, on this Rams team. Let's start with the coaching staff uh, because there was a, a changeover. No more adding Kevin O'Connell. Uh, what do you make of the changes? And is this an overreaction on Sean McVay's uh, end because of how things didn't go last year, or is this uh, some appropriate adjustments? You know, I think it's appropriate adjustments for sure. I mean, Wade Phillips, gotta love what he did over here. There was no offensive coordinator, so bringing Kevin O'Connell finally started to take a little bit of relief off of Sean McVay, which uh, you saw last year, there were games where you felt like play calling got a little away from him. He got a little one-sided, a little pass-heavy. Uh, game management's always been an issue with him, whether it's you know challenging plays or timeouts or uh, just kind of how he's addressed some of the two-minute stuff. So having a guy in there to help kind of take some of that on, I think uh, Rams Nation has much open arms to that right now. We know he got a really smart mind, but being able to be that head coach, there's a lot going on. So allowing him to free up a little bit on that side. And then going back to the defense side, the ball uh you know i think that was when he first got here he needed somebody to kind of help him show the ropes of how to be a head coach and that was the perfect balance but i think as they went by uh just their their ideas of football are just a little bit different you know wade phillips very uh this is the defense let's throw it out there i'm gonna put my players in you know position to succeed but not a big uh, adjuster from game to game or you know hey we've got these guys this week let's switch it up and show them something they've never seen and i think that's what he's looking for a little bit more of that analytical football mind bringing in some younger minds in here uh and you know coming off that Vic Fangio tree like Brandon Staley is in the 3-4 it's not a crazy swap over uh and I've heard some of the players say that he is like a Sean McVay on the defense that he brings so much excitement uh the passion that he brings to the game and the way that he breaks it down is just really clicking so far with this young Rams team so a really good move so far but again it's up to Sean McVay because he brought these guys in he finally made the decisions and uh it's going to way on him in the 2020 season depending on how it turns out all right brad so uh, obviously when sean went to los angeles as a 30 year old head coach he hired wade phillips experienced grizzled coach now he's got a much younger and more contempt uh but this rams team has kind of changed and evolved uh as sean has as a head coach do you think they're in a better position moving forward just and 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 maybe ideologically in terms of being on the same page? It seemed like there was some frustration with the defense and maybe Wade and Sean at the end of last year. Yeah, you start to see that boil over a little bit at the end of the last year, and you saw it even in uh, some of the special team stuff near the end of the year. And I think it was time for him to kind of take ownership uh, of that 
you know, coaching staff and bring in some of these young guys. And I've heard even some of the players talk about how amazing Brandon Staley is and the kind of a young Sean McVay on the defensive side that he can really connect with those guys. So I'm interested to see how he can put in his own tweaks, work with some of these guys on the offense and defense side of the ball and get back to what the Rams saw, you know, some of their best football in the last handful, probably the last decade, which was in 2017, uh, and 2018 and kind of running the football and allowing Jared Goff to uh, be a facilitator of that offense and not have to be, hey, throw the rock 40 times to try to get it done. And I think hopefully that will be- produce you know, a more fluid offense for the Rams because last year it was ups and downs for them on both sides of the football, really. And from an outsider's perspective, I mean, watching Sean McVay, and I've known Sean since he was 23 years old as an assistant, like wide receivers coach with Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan back in 2010. Uh, and 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 I, one thing I said, hey, Sean falls in love, I think, a little bit too much with the passing game. Maybe that put too much pressure uh, on Jared Goff. It seems like with some of the offensive line issues and maybe some of the doubts about the running game. Uh, that maybe they tried to give Jared Goff too much last year. This is him in your eyes? Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a lean heavy on Jared Goff last year. The running game couldn't get going. We had so many inconsistency at that offensive line. And it's funny, that's a group that has gotten a lot of slack uh, this offseason, even during the season last year. But they gave up the fewest amount of sacks in the NFL. The problem was just Jared Goff would get pressure. Uh, He'd throw the football away or make some bad decisions with some turnovers. A lot of strip fumbles from Jared Goff, not only last year, but in his career, something he's really got to clean up this next year. But uh, definitely started to lean on him to get it done at the end of the year that's when you want to if you're a Rams fan you're looking at let's take that last five games and look at how we can transition that into 2020 move to some 12 personnel start to get him a little bit better blocking moved him outside of the pocket a little bit and got back to running the football so uh, guys like Tyler Higby coming into the season are going to be big obviously uh, the trio at running back are going to be huge but those guys up front if we can find some consistency and somebody that can start multiple games in a row because I think they had eight different lineups last year at the offense line position uh that's coming from a team who the two years pri- previous had every single starter at every single position uh, for two years straight. So I think getting back to those guys staying healthy, uh, a lot of knock on them, maybe not being ready or a bad group, but I think they just never were able to play together until the end of the season. So I think it starts there, run the football, and then hopefully we can get back to some consistency on that offense. All right, so let me ask you a quick follow Archers, do they have enough weapons right now, provided that, you know, if they go to camp, if they go to the regular season with largely this offense and, and this roster, do they have enough weapons, in your opinion, or are they way short? Well, unfortunately, they don't have any money left. So this is the roster. They don't have an opportunity. I mean, maybe they get really creative and try to reschedule, uh, you know, or get Goff to kind of take more money right now and move some of that contract. But this is going to be the team. And I think they do, you know, because looking at the offense, especially in the wide receiver core, obviously you got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods there. Van Jefferson being added to the group. Uh, Really excited about what he he can do in year one. And I talked about those running backs. Daryl Henderson, a guy they were really excited about, moved up to get in the third round. Finished a little banged up. Didn't really have a chance to find his way into the system. I think they're really going to make that the case uh, this year. 
Cam Akers, you expect him to have an immediate impact and be a big part of that. So I think the offense, as far as weapons, is going to be fine. Really expect Cooper Cup to continue to take another step. I mean, this is a guy that crushed it last year as far as one of the only players with over 90 catches and double-digit touchdowns in the league. And this is coming off an ACL injury. So uh, expect either for him to stay there and he'll be just fine or get better. Uh, Robert Woods is probably the most underrated wide receiver in the league, but he's just Mr. Consistent. So if they can protect Jared Goff, he's got the arm, he's got the talent to get it down the field. They've got the players to get it done. It's just, does it all come together? Health, all that type of stuff. And then you're playing in one of the toughest divisions in the NFC West. So they do got a chance. It's just, there's a lot stacked up against them. Brad Motter, Locked On Rams, crossover edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Russell, Locked On Redskins. We'll get some Redskins talk coming up here in a sec, but let me flip over to the other side, and it all starts with, of course, Aaron Donald, the best defensively in the game. But who else, uh, and I guess besides Jalen Ramsey, who was acquired midway through last year uh, as a top-flight cornerback, who else has to step up for this Rams defense? Um you know, to come back to a playoff defense under the new defensive coordinator, Brandon Saley. Um, is is there one guy? Is there is there just a bunch of guys that just have to step up and elevate their game? How do you see that, Brad? Yeah, it's going to be a bunch of guys because, you know, you're looking at John Johnson's safety coming back off injury. He was really uh, developing before he got hurt. You expect him and hope him to come back and really help solidify the back end. You got Taylor Rapp going into his second year, had an amazing rookie year, but you see that a lot. Great rookie year. They fall off a little bit in that second year, so it's going to be key for him to kind of help that secondary. Just look at the other side of Jalen Ramsey. Troy Hill played his best football probably in his career, but people are questioning, is that real? Is that, you know, was that a short hot spurt? I think he's under a lot of pressure. And then the linebackers, you're looking at a guy like Micah Kaiser coming off injury. If you say that name to the national football fan, I don't know if they really know who the heck he is. And uh, Rams fans are going to find out really quick who he is because he's stepping in for Corey Littleton. Uh, they didn't draft at his position really to bring in you know a middle linebacker to compete with him. So you got him and Traven Howard, uh, two guys that don't have a lot of experience. And then you're hoping a guy like Leonard Floyd coming from Chicago in free agency is going to become that Dante Fowler, that guy that that no one really wanted at the end, uh, kind of run out of town and then comes to L.A., plays with Aaron Donald and really elevates his game. Uh, and you're looking at uh, rookie Ter- Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, another guy, uh, massive wingspan, same as LeBron James, probably my favorite stat to say about him. He's a freak of an athlete. Can he stay healthy and contribute? I think those guys, all these young guys, because you know what Aaron Donald's going to do, you know what Jalen Ramsey's going to do, but it's the pieces around him that need to play at a next level for this Rams team in this division to be really, really competitive. Brad Bonner, Locked on Rams. We'll take a timeout here on the Locked on a podcast. On Rams, locked on Redskins crossover edition. When we come back, we'll talk about Ron Rivera's Washington Redskins right here on this crossover edition of Network. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fancy Football, with your Locked On Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some 
pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. And we're back here on the crossover of the NFC East and NFC West. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. We've got Chris with us from Lockdown Redskins. And Chris, I'm excited to talk to you because uh, you guys seem to be uh, the down and out team in that NFC East, the one that no one's really talking a bunch about, but you got a brand new coach in Ron Rivera. Uh, You got the number two draft pick. And in my eyes, probably the best player to come out of this draft. So there's a lot to get excited about there. So let's start with that draft. The number two pick, Uh, There was questions even if, like, are they interested in Tua? Are they interested in a quarterback? They didn't go that way. They're going to stick with what they have on the roster there. You get the best defensive player, possibly the best player coming out this year. How would you feel about the draft? What did you hit? What did you miss uh, for the Redskins? Yeah, Bear, I'm going to – I'll chase Young. And and a lot of people think because the Redskins have so heavily invested in their defensive line, and they have, with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen as first-round picks, Montez Sweat – uh, you know, that this was a luxury pick that they don't need Chase Young. Number one, you always need a guy like Chase Young, a special, unique talent, as you kind of alluded to. Right. In many people's opinion, the best player in the draft. The other thing that I would just add real quickly on need is they struggled to stop the run, especially in the second half of seasons this year, uh, last year, uh, the year before, especially in the second half of games as they wore down and got tired. So as they convert to a 4-3 from a 3-4, Uh, A, it's wrong to say that they don't need more help in that regard. And that is one thing about Chase Young that I don't know if that gets enough credit. His ability to stop the run. I talked to longtime uh, general manager Scott McLuhan of several different teams, including the Redskins. He compared him and his physically he can be used as a 4-3 base end to Reggie White, the impact that he had not only as a pass rusher, but also a run stopper. So that's one thing. The other thing is the Redskins have Ryan Kerrigan and Ryan Anderson, two Ryans, we cornered the market on, on first names around into the final year of their contract. So those guys probably aren't going to be around in 2021. So the notion that it was just a luxury pick as opposed to a need, I would take a little bit of a issue with. So let's start there. This their defensive line. They don't. I don't know if Chase Young's going to be as dominant as Aaron Donald. That's probably asking too much. But if they don't start kicking butt and taking names on this defensive line and doing all the things that we just kind of alluded to and havoc and hell, then they're going to be a, a bad football team. And that's more important to me than who the quarterback is going to be because they've got to get off the field on third down and they've got to stop the run. So big picture wise, I got all with Chase Young. And then you look at the rest of the draft and just real quickly kind of tying this up. They added some intriguing skill options and weapons in Antonio Gibson and Antonio Gandy Golden. Again, we corner the market on Ryan's on defense and Tony here. And then they added some depth guys that aren't expected necessarily to contribute in year one in a big time way, but certainly will as Ron Rivera's program kind of evolves from year one to year two. 
Yeah, I love both of those Antonios that they got on the offense side of the ball. Can be really fun, sneaky picks there, uh, especially at the running back. You know, you got a couple guys, one that, uh, you know, is maybe got one foot on the football field and one foot into retirement with Adrian Peterson. But don't tell him that because every time you do, he's going to go and and, uh, run, you know, a 90-yard touchdown down the other way. But uh, with with (laughs) Darius uh, Geis coming off of injury, kind of an interesting pick there. But I want to go back uh, here on this offense and talk about – there was – we mentioned at the beginning there was no pick at quarterback they passed that up they went and got Kyle Allen from Carolina to play backup I'm assuming um you know but what is the thought obviously I believe you did take a quarterback at some point in the draft whether it was uh, a pick or in the un, un- rookie free agents but yeah Steven Steven Montez undrafted from Colorado correct but you don't expect him to make a big push so what's this Dwayne Haskins show how do you feel about it? does that sound good to you or does that make you a little nervous well it, it- it certainly makes me nervous from the standpoint of, I, I, look, I have hope and potential for Dwayne Haskins if Dwayne Haskins is more serious about his craft, both on the practice field and more importantly, behind the scenes. And that's what happened. Those that don't know, he was selected by the owner, Dan Snyder. Uh, not by the head coach who knew that if he didn't win right away, Jay Gruden, he would be fired. And that's exactly what happened. He started off 0-5, things got bad, he got fired, and it was just a mess. What was interesting was everybody just assumed when Bill Callahan came in, oh, Dwayne Haskins is going to start. And no, that wasn't the case. He was not ready, Brad. He was not even remotely close to being ready. And that was the problem. Dwayne did not work take his craft seriously enough, did not do a good enough job on his own. And the former coaching staff obviously could, you know, kind of saw that, recognized that. They didn't maybe invest the effort that in him because they didn't really want him to be in this situation where you have a new head coach, you have a new coaching staff, but you have the guy that was the director of college scouting, Kyle Smith, who's A.J. Smith, longtime Charger general manager's son. He's now running base to Ron Rivera's Batman. He was here last year. And my understanding is, is he was philosophically aligned with Jay Gruden and the old coaching staff, meaning he was not married and did not necessarily want Dwayne Haskins where the Redskins took. You combine that with Ron Rivera not being able to get to work with Dwayne Haskins every day on the grass and leaving the door open for Cam Newton, leaving the door open for, gosh, Alex Smith, the Project 11, and what he's come from. And, oh, by the way, they traded for 12-game starter last year in this system, in this scheme, Kyle Allen. So I don't even know by the time week five rolls around, assuming that we have a regular season and is going to be the starting quarterback for the Redskins against the Los Angeles Rams. And and I would have my doubts about it, quite honestly. Yeah, and when you look at the relationship there, and that's one of the things I thought too is, man, this would be a perfect fit for Cam Newton, and all of a sudden Kyle Allen's there, and you're like, well, maybe not. I mean, he probably had his choice of which one, and, and obviously Kyle Allen is there, so going to have to be a fun one to watch along the way. But uh, what what's realistic, you know, as far as, you know, the Washington market, as far as, you know, looking at this division, for you guys, it's a very open division. Looking last year, I mean, this came down to the very last game to see who was going to represent the NFC East, but uh, maybe don't expect that massive jump into a playoff picture or a playoff race in year one under Ron Rivera, but what's his time frame, do you think, in Washington to turn this thing around and, and put a product on the field that can win not only one year, but you know years over and over again? I mean, I, I think 
Barrett, I, I think Ron's got a couple of years here. Obviously, it goes without saying that he's not going to get fired after one year, even though that happens from time to time, right? We saw it years ago. I mean, we've seen it in the Redskins organization with uh, Marty Schottenheimer a long time ago, same owner, that type. I, I don't envision that in any way, shape, or form because Dan Snyder knows he had a major culture problem, a major and, and truly – this is the last salvo that he's got to get the most, one of the most, if not the most, respected guys in the NFL. Every single person told Dan Snyder, hey, if you could get a guy like Ron Rivera, a guy to come in and build a culture and winning uh, and build a, a sustainable winning program and a philosophy without the circus and without the 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 re, just the the theat in this organization for so long no matter who the head coach was uh with Dan Snyder as the owner Bruce Allen um you know as the former now head executive if you could build that, then that's the guy you've got to go get and got that guy before he essentially became open to everyone else. And Ron Rivera took this job knowing that he was going to have full control over football operations. So to me, um, you know, he's got obviously at least two years, I would say realistically more three to real quickly because I talk a lot. I would say this is, a, you know, probably a six to seven win team the way I see it and and maybe it could be more if things work out at the quarterback position but I win team and Ron Rivera's first year and I think that would be a great step forward for them you know to come out and win some ball games and learn how to win those close ones I think that's really what it comes down to you look at the NFL it comes down to a few little plays and if you can win those mini battles inside of a big long game you find yourself with a chance to win at the end and I think that's what is great about bringing Ron Rivera into this I think he's a great leader and a coach to get that done my last question is kind of a reverse question here. I want to hear you talk a little bit about the Rams. You mentioned covering a lot of these coaches and people that are involved now in the Rams. So when you look all the way over there out in Washington, you see what they're building out here in Los Angeles. What are your thoughts on the team and, and their chances for success, not only this year, but in the long term? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I think the success came at a meteoric rate for Sean and um, and he deserves it. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I can't tell you how much I miss and love Sean McVay, uh, again, covering him uh, three years old. He introduced himself to me the first day we met. He was just this young buck, you know, uh, just uh, fresh out of, uh, you know, out of, out of the UFL and, and, and 23 years old. I mean, the, is the person that he is. And we all know what kind of memory he has and what kind of creative juice and energy and 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 smarts and football IQ and football intelligence. Uh, just tremendous. I really, really, really hope it works out with the new stadium and the new uniform earlier uh, on your side of the show. I really hope that this thing works out. I will say this, adding Kevin O'Connell, he's also a guy that I think a lot of Redskins fans were – well, some Redskins fans were like, ah, no big deal. They stunk with him. Wrong approach. I'm telling you, everybody that I talked to, just like when we kept preaching around here about Sean McVay in 2011, in 2012, in 2013, about how this guy is going to be a stud, Kevin O'Connell is a coach. So I think he's going to be a great addition. And uh, I know he's just an assistant head coach, linebackers, whatever, but I have an affinity to Joe Barry as well. I really enjoyed covering him and getting 
getting to know him. So I think it was good that he didn't go back to USC. And Aubrey Pleasant is still on the coaching staff, if memory serves. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Aubrey was always highly thought of uh, as a young assistant coach. So, you know, I, I love what you guys have. Um, I, you know, hopefully the new stadium will be great. You know, I don't as much as everybody else does, but I really think the Rams are still heading in the right direction. I hope they do some of the things that you suggested earlier, get back to more running the football and protecting Jared Goff and not asking him to be Superman, because that is one criticism, McVeigh, uh, no doubt. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned Joe Barry as well, a guy that we thought might walk away after he wasn't given that opportunity to take on that defense coordinator position. You also mentioned an opportunity to go with USC. So Sean McVay, if he's as good as a recruiter as he is a coach and keeping these guys around, you hope that you'll see some success for this team in 2020. But that's been our crossover awesome conversation. Uh, Locked on Rams and locked on Redskins. Chris, hey, man, it was a blast talking to you. Finally, we got to throw this down and looking forward to hopefully if this thing stays on schedule week five coming out to Washington, have a chance to talk again and see where we both are at. Brad, I love it. I'm going to be driving you crazy probably before then uh, to pick your brain on the Rams. And uh, and thanks for doing this. Appreciate your patience with me. uh, And uh, always good to be uh, with you and, and say hello to the Rams fans out there. Everybody be safe. So that's all we got for today's show. Tomorrow, we got an exciting one. We've got Serena Morales on with us, kind of reviewing all the things that are happening so far this offseason. A little bit different. We'll take an inside peek at what's going on in that building for the Rams. A little, also maybe some more Jersey talk. Of course, we got to get some feedback live from inside that building. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.